Hi there, I'm talking to you. Yes, you. My name is Sherry, my pup's name is Sunny, and we're training to be an animal-assisted counseling team. You're listening to the Therapy Dog Talk podcast, the show that interviews past, present, and future therapy dog teams about how they're making an impact in their communities. Today we're talking with Gina about her experiences training her dog Juno, the unimpressed husky, to be a therapy dog. We'll discuss what it was like to rehab Juno from shelter dog to agility dog, what they learned through several months of focusing on training criteria, and how their experience with pets as therapy in the UK has led them to collaborate with others in their area to pioneer therapy dog work in Korea. Before we hop in, if you're just getting started on your therapy dog journey and feeling a bit lost, I've put together a free guide for you, which you can find on my website at freeguide.therapydogtalk.com. Without further ado, meet Gina and Juno. Hi. Hi. How are you? Good. This is our first time, so bear with us. I love it. You're in good company. Don't worry. A lot of the guests that have been on Therapy Dog Talk, it's been their first time doing a live. So Okay. I had to ask. It was like, I have no idea what I needed to do. So we're super excited. Yay. I'm so excited. Well, while we're hearing where everyone else is from, would you like to introduce yourself and your pup to us? Yes. So my name is Gina, also known as The Clinger. And this is Juno. Juno, can you say hi? Yeah. Hi, Juno. Did you say hi to them? Did you say good morning? (laughs) Yeah, this is Juno. She's the unimpressed husky. I know. I know. Yeah. (laughs) And we live in South Korea, in Seoul, which is the capital. So that's us. And we're excited for today. Thank you so much for having us. Super excited. So just let us know what we need to do. We'll take your lead on everything. (laughs) No problem. We're pretty chill here. So how did you first find out about therapy dogs? So about, uh, I want to say three years ago, two, three years ago. So right before like COVID hit, my husband moved to London for work and he was there for a year. But Juno and I were super, actually, I was super reluctant to move to London. I had lived in Korea for already about, it's been 16 years since I lived here. And it was really hard for me to grasp moving to a completely new country. I had friends here, family, work and everything. So we did long distance for about a year. And it was like, just come try it out. And I would visit and I didn't really like it. And then finally, after a year, he was like, come, it's super dog friendly. You'll enjoy it so much. Because the times that I had went to visit him, I never went with Juno. I always went by myself. Mm. So I was like, okay, fine. A year, I'll just go. Let's see what it's like. So we moved. And prior to moving, there is this great blogger named The Lund Dog. And she writes these blogs about just different dog-friendly events all around London. And also, there's this other Facebook and Instagram group called Dog Furly. Like dog friendly, but dog furly. And they're so amazing. Like they organize these really cool events. And so when we moved to London, I had no friends. I didn't know a single person there. And this was like a huge transition for me because I was just so used to just being in Korea, just having this life that I was just really comfortable with. And going there and not knowing a single person was super tough. And so when I finally went, my husband was like, why don't you just search? I wasn't working. So he was like, why don't you just go to these dog events and see? 
And there was this really, really great event that they had with Pets as Therapy, which is one of the biggest ones in London. And we went and I didn't know much about being a therapy dog or anything, to be honest. So when we went, everyone was like, there aren't a lot of Huskies there too. And she's not really affected by sound or people kind of like touching her. And so when we went to this event, I thought it was so cool. Like people had their dogs with them and the things that they were doing with the dogs, she was naturally kind of doing it for me while I was there because I got firsthand experience of how I was quite depressed because I wasn't working a lot. I wasn't working. I didn't have any friends. Adjusting to everything was just completely new. So I got to know this organization and I mentioned about if I ever thought that she would be qualified. And because then when they met her and they saw her, they're like, oh, she's actually very calm. And so I thought, okay, well, yeah, we'll go into the process of it. And firsthand experience, I think, was the best testament that I wanted to do this because it helped me so much. So I think that's how we got started. That's how we got to know them. So it's really great to just kind of like the power of social media and people really just like sharing information was really helpful for us. And that's how we got started with it. And it was really cool. That's great. So how long were you a therapy dog team in London? So we lived in London for about a year. And the thing is, is the process was quite intense, to be honest, because Mm -hmm. prior to moving to London, I never spent 24 hours with Juno. I was always kind of busy working. Like we still did a lot of physical therapy because she had been living in the shelter for eight months prior to us adopting her. Mm -hmm. And when we moved to London, I had only had Juno for less than a year before we Mm -hmm. actually moved. And so we did a lot of therapy because her back legs, she couldn't bend them because she had been kind of tied up for eight months. And so she didn't Mm -hmm. have a lot of muscle in her legs. And so when we went there, I had spent so much time with her and I realized, wow, this dog's a little bit different. Like she didn't mind touching her doing all that. So we started the process. I had to do a lot of research and a lot of training ourselves because when we moved there, we didn't actually have a trainer. We didn't have a school that we were going through. And so we kind of learned on our own in a way. But mm-hmm. that's the great thing about London because they have like outdoor agility training centers. They have all these great things. So we just kind of looked into it, but it took us a few months to be mm-hmm. able to kind of go through the criteria um, yeah. on how to be a therapy dog and what you needed to do. They test you, you have to meet them. There's like interviews, like a lot, a lot mm-hmm. to do. But then we went through it, but unfortunately COVID had hit right before we were supposed to actually get into the works of everything, like in detail. So we were doing it unofficially at that time and just like practicing with just places in our area. And then COVID hit and the complete like city, country, everything went in lockdown. So we didn't really get a lot of experience with the big organizations or like assistant homes or schools, but Mm -hmm. we tried to bear as much as we could with it, with the situation at that time. So yeah, I know it was really, really difficult time for therapy dogs for everyone, but for therapy dogs getting through that process was really tricky around that time. Yeah, it was. So at that time we were like super excited. You had so many criterias and like, if you want to work at schools, like just where you wanted to do and you had to plan, which I understand why. So we had booked everything and we're ready to go. And then 
then COVID hit and it just, it didn't get better for a while. So she ended up just being like the therapy dog for my husband and I, to be honest, for those months when we we're just home all day, every day. And it's interesting because people actually ask like, how did we get involved with therapy? What made us think that should be a good candidate or qualified yeah. to be one? And honestly, it was just firsthand experience. Like I needed it. <laughs> we were in such a time that was just the world was just coming, you know, down and we just didn't know what was scary, you know, and yeah. you're with them 24 seven. And another question we get a lot is how we learned that she'd be a good agility dog. It was through that time because uh-huh. we were so bored at home and we had hoarded all these rolls of toilet paper because yeah. everyone was saying like, if you don't have toilet paper and water, you're not going to be able to survive. Right. <laughs> so that's how we started doing it. We started like piling them up and yeah. she just started jumping over them and we're like, wow. And this is like super fun. So yeah. that's how we got started with that. Oh, it's such a testament to the physical therapy work that you were able to do with her, that she was able to regain her legs enough to do agility. That's so huge. I mean, I think it was something that we didn't even know that she had either. We just kind of, a lot of it happened naturally. I know, you know, you and Sunny and like just a lot of other people, like even Daryl, they're just amazing. And it's because they helped us. And I know that once you go through that experience and you know, wow, this dog is able to really like help yourself and then they're able to slowly like help other people. I think that was great because when lockdown didn't get better, uh, London was like, it was getting worse. We made the decision that we needed to just move back home. You know, my husband and I, both of our moms, are, our families are in Korea. And okay. so we thought at that time, Korea was still a lot safer and they weren't on full lockdown. So we thought, why don't we move back and see the situation? And the unfortunate thing about Korea is there is no therapy dog officially. There's nothing that they actually help with it, Mm -hmm. but there's organizations that I'm actually involved in where it started off as just groups of people who either lived abroad or who truly believes in the power of therapy dog just got together and we need to make petitions and really like go out there and show people the power of this. So that's what we're doing now. And it's hard because to be honest, Korea is not the most dog friendly country, but we are building like different communities. And right now we have a little shop and it's tiny. It's a little just boutique bakery. And we do it in a very expat friendly neighborhood because I have a big dog and expats are typically the ones that have bigger dogs. Mm -hmm. And so we opened this when we got back from London. I just, I didn't know what I wanted to do when I moved back because I had been in restaurant industry and I knew I didn't really want to do that, but I knew I wanted to do something with dogs and therapy and just helping people. So I was like, why don't we just open up a little small boutique and just have things where people can come and build this community. So people can come in, get treats that I believe are healthy. We work with like great little restaurants around our neighborhood that are dog friendly too. So it's really about building that. And if the country is not really going to help you, then you just have to make a difference. So we have like really tiny and people come and, you know, they learned a lot of different things and we share information. And so now that's what we do. We go around and we unofficially go to assisted homes. I started a nonprofit about seven years ago with friends for senior citizens. And what we also do is we work with Juno and we take her to events and stuff. And what I think people 
people realize about her is she's big. But once mm-hmm. you kind of get to know her and you're around her, she suits you. And they realize that, wow, a big dog makes you happy and she's yeah. fine and she loves food. And I think that's like a great thing is she's very food motivated and people love giving. And so once they actually experience giving her a treat, that's what I think changed a lot. People would come to see her at our boutique. People would actually want to like dog sit her and just want to be with her because she was able to help them that way. So yeah, that's what we're kind of doing here. (laughs) I love that. I love that so much. What do you think Juno enjoys about that? Honestly, I think she's always hungry and she (laughs) loves actually doing things for treats. Like she loves food and she'll pretty much do anything for you if you have a treat in your hand. So my mom, we didn't have dogs when we grew up at our house and my mom was super I'm just laughing because my husband was actually the one that saw Gina on Facebook, just on a post at a shelter. And he's always wanted either a Husky or a Malamute. And honestly, I wanted a Golden Retriever. And um, same size. (laughs) Yeah, similar size. But you know, I thought a dog that was just like, I I didn't know. I just thought Golden Retrievers or a German Shepherd was like what I thought I was going to get. But my husband was so fixed on getting a husky and when we saw one when he saw one that was available for adoption at the shelter he was adamant to go like go see her and so I had heard a lot of things about a husky just being high maintenance you know and shedding and the energy that they need and Mm -hmm. I was really scared to be honest and he was like let's just go meet her and when we went to go meet her she was super sweet and pulled like crazy like every dog a lot of energy but we had to make a decision you know and he would ask me like the next day and I couldn't commit because I knew I was the one that would have to take on the responsibility and I just didn't know we never had a dog together and I was scared and so he would ask because the shelter needed to know because she was on the euthanized list and mm-hmm. they were like we need to know now mm-hmm. and he would ask me and I honestly said my answer is no I told him I don't think I can do it and he didn't talk to me the rest of the day because it was just one of those moments where because I said it in such a way I was like because he was like we need an answer. Like they're, they're waiting for us. And I looked at him like, my answer is no. And he was just so shocked. (laughs) And I mean, no one believes it till this day, you know, because I'm the one that's so attached to her and stuff. I just didn't know what I was really going to get myself into. And I think like your breed research is really important, but Mm -hmm. I decided like, you know what, I have to fully commit to this dog now. And I did. And we went and we brought her home right away after that. And my mom, the next week, she was coming to visit us. And I said, we got a pup, is all I said. (laughs) And it's like, okay. And she came and it was not a pup. It was a huge (laughs) dog, you know. And she didn't move. She was on the sofa and she was frozen. And she was so scared. And then now... She has to see Gina at least every other day, or she kind of has a little bit of a meltdown. Like we'll go to our boutique together and she'll come by and she'll take her home. And people in the beginning, because Gina was with us when we were opening and they were like, where'd she go? And 
I was like, grandma. And then my mom would walk her to the park and people would see her walking her. And yeah. be like, this seven-year-old senior citizen is walking this massive husky in Korea. <laughs> it's unheard of. And with the work that she's able to do with the elderly community, it means a lot because I think that generation here has had it really tough, like with the war and everything. So when it comes to dogs, they used to think it was like livestock and just the mentality behind that. A lot of it is different. But when they see the power of what they can do, there's now senior citizens. Japan's actually another great country that a lot of senior citizens believe in adopting or having a dog for them okay. for comfort. And Korea is slowly changing. And it's just amazing what they can do. And we really hope and believe that we'll be able to have a country where you have certified therapy dogs, you know, yeah. so we're doing our best. Doing You're doing best. so much. I know it's because <laughs> there's just so much that needs to be done. I yeah. think it's about showing awareness and the ability mm. on what you can do. And unless you actually just try your best and really just fight for it, I live in a country where it's really hard, you know, like yeah. unless you really make a difference yourself, they're just going to be stuck in their own ways. And I think that's where people ask, where do you get the courage or the idea or the thoughts to even do it? And it's, if I don't do it, eventually later on, I'm going to be a senior citizen. I'm going to be yeah. the one that's going to be struggling, you know, and I don't want that, you know, for my parents or myself in the future. So that's kind of how we started with it. That's really great. I know um, one of the things that I first noticed, which is actually Haley, Daryl, the Doge sent me to your account initially because we were talking about, you know, when someone tells you you can't do something, but you know that your dog can. And I just love your story of how, you know, people told you that Juno couldn't be an agility dog and like, look at her now. <laughs> yeah, it's to be honest, I didn't even know. And yeah. I share these like silly videos on it because it's true. The things yeah. that I go through, people message and they're like, wow, I just went through that last week. Being rejected for being a husky is so common in Korea. And then even having weight limits on things. I had mm -hmm. no idea that other countries were experiencing that too. Like my friends, Sadie in New Zealand and people from all over, they're like, oh yeah, we have to go through that too. And I was like, wow, I thought it was only Korea that restrictions. Yeah. Even here, there's a lot of breed and weight restrictions in um, shared housing situations. I can oh, really? Okay. Yeah. Some people are able to bypass that by having emotional support animals if they qualify for one, but there are a lot of breed and weight restrictions here as well. And even, I know you're talking about how like Korea is not going to start a certified therapy dog organization. The ones here are, are not connected to the government. They're individuals that started organizations and now they're well known and there's multiple ones so you know you can be that person <laughs> you know it's funny that you mentioned that because even agility there's no actual agility certification mm -hmm. i think in the world and even like in london i heard that it started very unofficially and with that being said it really inspired me even more because like you said, you can still do it. And I think yeah. that it's refreshing to hear that. And I think it's hard in the beginning and it's lonely, but when you find the right group of people and you're able to really just be with people that you truly believe in it, this is one great example is just 
being international and, you know, being able to talk to you about your, like listening to other people's experience. And yeah. it's funny that you bring up Daryl too, because she does amazing tricks. And I even was like, can you teach us a trick? And so we're trying to plan out a schedule where she's actually able to teach us something new. And yeah. it's so cool. The power of social media. And like right now, Korea is actually going through a time where COVID numbers have spiked again. So a lot of people mm. are stuck at home. And we've actually taken a whole week off because we just wanted to take extra precautions with like just the situation with everything. Yeah. And I think it's cool that we're able to even talk about it, you know, and share with people and have them really understand that my dog's special. Other people might not know that yet, or, you know, maybe you don't even know your dog is and you're yeah. just put in a situation where you learn that they are special. So I'm just so amazed with the work that you're doing. You're so good. I, I'm, like for me, I actually don't like being on camera. It's really hard for me to be on live. I just do it to be silly. Like even like the things that I post, I don't plan ahead. I know that mm. sounds terrible, but like my brain works late at night mm. and people are like, do you ever sleep? Which actually works because the time difference. Like I think when I'm supposed to post in the US, like when people are off work now or in the morning, it's like flopped exactly the time. Yeah. And I think my brain works at that time. And so when it's dark, I don't have any other distractions. I'm there and I'm like, what am I going to post today? I go by feeling. Even yesterday's, I was just kind of going through like old videos and I was looking through it and I was like, this just reminded me of this time when Juno is like, oh my God, I have to give this lady therapy again. Like, <laughs> and she's just like giving you the space of like, she wants to hide from me. And I think that's how we just kind of got started, even with this account. I didn't actually make this handle. It was my husband. We were in London, locked down. Everything in my life pretty much started during that time. He made this account because he saw how Juno was just so unimpressed. I would be the one that was so like clingy to her and she just wasn't having it. And he thought it was hilarious. And he just <laughs> made this account and he wrote this hand. And I actually had a different account for her, but mine was just photos. And it wasn't a lot because I'm not very good at tech and social mm. media. And it was called Korean Siberian Husky. And it was this account. And then when he made one that was called Unimpressed Husky, people loved it. And it was just yeah. like a great name. But he posted one or two photos and that was it. And he started getting more followers than I did. And I was like, what is going on? And then one day we were just on lockdown. He was like, do you really want this? And I was like, I want this handle. Like, it's just exactly who Juno is. Yeah. And he was like, okay, since we're in lockdown and you're bored, I'll give it to you. And from there, it just kind of happened where Unimpressed Husky started and I didn't know anything, to be honest. I didn't know about hashtags. I didn't know about who to tag. It really happened organically. And it's interesting because a lot of our close friends that we have now, I go back and I see they've been following us since the very beginning. It's cool when, when you experience things like that, where it's just her face, like she just doesn't really express much or she's just really funny. So yeah, it's that's the how... personality that you bring to it too. Like you're so good at just personifying her. I love it. <laughs> oh, really? That's funny that you say that because I actually, like I said, I used to be like super shy. I don't like being on camera. Even now I'm not very good at it. We really tried together. So 
There's a lot that needs to be done, but we just try to be silly. And like, I know there's a lot of different things about us. Yes, she's unimpressed. Yes, she doesn't really care, but I'm the one that's always kind of like looking at her and stuff. But it's the therapy things, you know, people are actually surprised that there is a dog who's actually gone through therapy training. People ask me a lot of questions on like, what were the criteria? like, it was really strict when we went through and a lot of the things that we learned on there, I'm not sure if you shared like stuff about it, but our biggest two things that we talk to people about when they come to like our boutique and that we share, they ask of what do you need to do? Like, how do I prepare my dog to be a therapy dog? And it was two things that I learned. One was not being on a harness was really hard for us because prior to Juno, I had a dog about six or seven years before. She was a puppy. She was only six months old. And my mom was actually walking her and she was always on a harness. But this one day she was on a collar and it slipped out and Mm -hmm. she actually got hit by a car. She ended up dying. And um, it was under my mom's watch, which actually Mm -hmm. is another testament of like with Juno, like she was so scared, you know? Yeah, of course. Yeah. Even walking her, she just like was against it, you know? But now that she just takes her, walks her, takes her everywhere. It's just really cool when you see that. But the main thing was this being on a collar was... Is that a requirement in London? Yeah, it's a requirement. Okay. The therapy dog organizations that I'm familiar with here, you can totally use a harness. Oh, I had... Okay. That's interesting to share too, because I know in London, maybe it's during when you get tested. I'm not exactly sure, but Mm. no, I'm pretty sure you can't be on it. They want you to have full control over them. And so she was always on a harness, like when I was with Mm. her. Our coach at that time had told us that there is this front harness that's from Z-Dog. That's like a soft walk, easy walk front clip. And we went through about a good like five to seven front clip harnesses. And this was the one that we actually really, really, the way that they built it and where it's positioned really helped. So that was like one thing that helped us transition from a harness to a collar. And another thing that was required in London was you can't be on a retractable. Right. Yeah, that's the same here. Yeah. Is it okay? So retractable was one thing where you couldn't have them. But yeah. for us, there was like a lot of freedom, you know, you know, sure. like you can go anywhere with your dog, you can actually walk with them off lead and everything. So that was a big challenge. And here, yeah. especially a lot of people, I want to say good 50% of people over way over 50% of people here use retractables. And there is nothing wrong. With, I'm not saying that there's anything wrong with it. But when I asked them, I said, why? Why would that matter? And they said, because you need to be the one that's able to control your dog. So that was actually interesting to learn. So when people hear those two things, I'm happy to share with them like what we had to go through for it. So yeah, you kind of already answered, I guess a little bit, but do you have any advice for someone who's interested in becoming a therapy dog team? Yeah, I think like you said, it's the tools. So at our boutique, I only carry things that I would be Juno that I've experienced for us together. So I think one of the biggest things is just trying things out with the right tools with it. And I think it's hard sometimes finding where do you get it? Or, you know, Mm -hmm. where can I buy it? That's always a question that we get. So when we bring things in, we're good with trying to like uh, provide those things for them. 
I would say that when people actually ask, like, what's another thing that helps you train your dog, you know, it's finding what works for them, you know, whether that's mm-hmm. food motivation, you know, Juno does not do agility with any treats. Like she loves food, but when we're yeah. on the field, she knows she has to go through these obstacles or when we are in a very intense situation where she needs to have like a lot of people touching her or there's like a lot of sensory going on. Mm-hmm. I have to bust out her favorite traits or she won't do it. Like, I think that's one thing that I think too, it's like, you need to know what your dog really likes, you know, yeah. a variety, like there's like high value traits, you know, mm-hmm. what does your dog really, really like at that time? So when we're even going to do some of our therapy sessions here, I'll have like small little ZVP training treats, which sometimes I use for food, you know, but then mm-hmm. when it gets intense and there's like a lot of people that's going on, I have to take out the super smelly stuff. So yeah. I think that's a lot of my advice is, and I'll be a testament to say this again, it's hard. It's not easy in the beginning. <laughs> I think people see us now and they're like, oh, you're just you're lucky with a dog that, you know, and I'm like, no, it's... <laughs> So much time and you have to invest a lot of your time into it and you have to be Mm -hmm. patient. Not only is it your time and the time with your dog, but through that, you build that bond. And I mean, like, I think that's another reason why when I saw like what you do in your account and with Sunny and like the things that you do, that's so amazing. I'm like, everything you say, I'm like, yes, this is, you know, you're so right, you know? And when you find those groups of people and when you find those friends, when you are able to be like, yeah, I I know exactly what you're talking about, then you realize, yeah, that we're doing something right. That's the beauty of community, right? I know I feel that way all the time watching your account as well. So (laughs) I'm glad that we were connected. (laughs) Yeah, that's cool. I didn't know that you found us through Daryl. And it's amazing how you you kind of all connect through like silly ways and stuff, you yeah. know, but um, I, know. I was venting to Daryl to Haley, just like, uh, like, this is just the worst day ever. And she was like, Oh, this reminds me of this story by unimpressed Husky, you should go watch it. And I was like, where has this account been all my life? Oh, <laughs> uh, so, yeah. that's so nice. We don't really know what we're doing to be honest. Like, you know what I've learned? You- Nobody does. I mean, that's great. You know, like, it's really amazing, like the power of what social media can really, really do. Like the friends that I've met on here, like, it's so cool. Like there's huge accounts where I'm like, wow, how that I've become friends with, you know, and it's like, it's really nice because they're just so sweet. I don't know what I'm doing. And you know what they say to me? They're like, we didn't know what we're doing either. And like, that's cool, you know, but people always have different expectations or what they want to get out of their account or like what they want to do. But I think for us, it's just, it's mainly about trying to spread awareness and knowing that you're you're not perfect. Your yeah. dog's not perfect. Yeah. It's okay not to know what you're doing on social media, but you're you're doing your best and you're just having yeah. fun. Yeah, absolutely. And I really like that you shared the story about how you had a bad day and through that you're able to share like a video or, you know, an account that just makes you laugh. And I think that's great when you find people from all over the world. Like they actually kind of wait for certain things that Juno and I do. Like through our story, we have this silly thing every morning with I give her like a banana and I put it on her head and she like catches yeah. it. And I do it. Is she gonna get it? Is she not gonna get it? And like the messages that people 
people send about how like they look forward to this in their mornings or at the end of the day it's so like heartwarming you're just like wow people actually really appreciate what we're doing you know and you have good days and you have really bad days but what I've learned is if you obsess over how many followers you have, how many likes, how many comments, you're just going to stress yourself out. You know, it's more about yeah. just do what you believe in. Take that advice from it. Like, this is so cool that we're able to even like go live, you know, yeah. completely different ends of the country. I mean, yeah, it's tomorrow for you. It is like we are Tuesday morning <laughs> and like we're in the future, <laughs> you know, I think that's like incredible. And the things that you do is really inspiring because like from your talks that I see, I'm like, wow, I learned from everyone that you've done. Like I go back and I watch it again because I'm like, wow, that's something that I should implement when I'm doing because I'm not a professional therapy mom. You know, I'm still learning. We're doing it unofficially, you know. So with that, from sharing information, you just think about well, I didn't think about that, like, or maybe I should try that out. So it's so cool what you're doing. And for us to be able to do it in other parts of the world just makes it like that much more exciting. Yeah, definitely. We actually have a guest in maybe like a month from now based out of the UK who worked as a therapy dog in Australia. So that'll be another really interesting international story for sure. So it's just so fun just to meet so many people through doing this. So And you have this presence, I think, that helped. This is my first time going live like this. I didn't even know what I needed to do. And you just... I think have this presence where it makes you feel okay. And even like I was messaging with Daryl's mom too. And she's just like, just kind of talk to her just as your friend. Don't worry about anything else. And I apologize to people who ask like questions. I know there's all this scrolling going on, but to be honest, (laughs) I don't see anything that's happening, but like, it's that you have this great presence, you know, and like even having Juno here, here to helps, but like, that's a great gift that you have. And I'm so excited for like all of the cool other talks that you're able to do because I was so nervous to be honest like um <laughs> I, I couldn't tell and I you was don't like, seem I nervous no at all what I'm doing like I even messaged you, I was like uh and my husband's like do you even know and I was like people are probably laughing because like I had to even dm her and I was like what do I do how do you go live that's and pretty common like, actually so don't worry <laughs> I don't even know. So, you know, you're, you're just, you're, you're learning as you go. So I think. Well, Gina, thank you so much. It's been really great having you on. I feel like I could talk to you like all day and all night, but <laughs> I don't think Juno would be very impressed with that. Quite frankly. Um, she's pretty much over it. As you can see, she's like, <laughs> it's this face. I think that just, and I think what's funny about it is even if you're kind of in her space, she doesn't really react. And I think that's what's really funny is like she just has this expression of oh great like here she goes again but like I love her I love her (laughs) I wish I had met you all before I was in Korea so I could come say hi on my I know oh my god honestly (laughs) if anybody's ever in Korea or wants to meet up like we're we're so happy if you ever get a chance to come back we would love definitely let you know (laughs) yeah like be your host and stuff so yeah thank you so much it was a lot of fun. I know we're kind of like moving around. I hope that's okay. I, I it's hope I'm totally not fine. There's no people all dizzy. Here. <laughs> well, thank you so much again. This is a lot of fun. We really appreciate it. I hope it was helpful. 
it was helpful for me. I'm sure it's helpful for others as well. It's it's really great to hear your story and what all you have been working on from country to country. So yeah, thank you so much. Well, yeah. have a great evening. Um, thank you. Have a great day. <laughs> yeah, thank you so much. All right, take care. Bye, Juno. <laughs> Can you say bye. bye. <laughs> I really hope you enjoyed this episode of Therapy Dog Talk. If you did, please do me a favor and leave a review and rating on the podcast platform of your choice. If you have a guest that you think would be a great fit for Therapy Dog Talk, send me an email at hello at therapydogtalk.com. Thank you so much and we'll see you next week.